Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, just uh, just 12 days ago now, we started a new year, a new decade, and uh, many of us in one form or another made a New Year's resolution, that there's something that you want to change in your life in 2020. For some of you, you want to get skinnier or stronger. You know, some of you want to do more exercise or to watch less TV. You might want to work less and play a little more in 2020. Some of you might want to give up smoking or give up snacking or even give up shoplifting. Does anyone anyone need to give up shoplifting in, in 2020? Or there's something new that you want to learn to do. You want to learn to sing or to sail or to surf or to sew or to skydive or if you're a little bit beyond skydive, Maybe you want to learn to play shuffleboard uh, this year. You know, it was, was well, whatever it is. You know, a resolution is is something that you didn't manage to do in 2019, but you believe in 2020 is the year. 2020 is the year it's going to happen. Now, now most of us here know that the majority of New Year's resolutions actually fail, and they fail because change is actually really hard. Habits are hard to break. Hurts are hard to heal. History is hard to erase. And so the thing that you actually want to see happen in a new way in 2020 is actually a really good thing. But because change is hard, very often they actually don't happen. And we're starting uh, this new series, or we started the new series last week, actually, and it goes uh, all the way through January, and it's simply called New. Because although God doesn't say anything in his word about New Year's resolutions, he actually says a lot right from the very beginning to the very end about doing a new thing in our lives. He he talks uh, about giving us a new birth, you know, a, a new heart, you know, putting a new song in our mouth, about doing a new thing in our lives, about giving us a new vision or new wineskins in our life. The, the, his word is actually just full of promises of doing something new in our lives. And so although our God is an unchanging God, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. His his faithfulness endures forever. His love and his grace will never ever run out. His character and his nature is completely unchanging. He's a God who is always wanting to do something new in our lives. You see, I, I don't care whether you're here this morning and you've been a follower of Jesus for five minutes or for 50 years. There's something new that God wants to do in your life this year. There's something new that God wants to do in your life this year to make you more like Christ, to make you more like Jesus than you were last year. It's true for every single one of us, and God promises that he wants to do something new. I don't know whether you're going to get skinnier in 2020. I don't know whether you're going to get smarter in 2020. I don't know whether you're going to spend more time at the gym or uh, you're going to stop shoplifting this year. But what I do know is that God will do something new in your life 
if you let him. He will. He's always been a God of new beginnings. And it might not actually be a new resolution that you need to make this year, but it's actually a new revelation of who God is, of who Jesus is this year that's going to make all the difference. Because once again, I don't care whether you've been a follower of Jesus for five minutes or 50 years or whether you're here and you're not yet a follower of, of Jesus. You just haven't, you're just not kind of sure where to place your faith. We all put faith in something, but you're not sure where to place your faith yet. You don't know, whatever, wherever you're at on that journey, you don't know everything there is to know about Jesus yet. You simply don't. In fact, we won't know all that there is to know about Jesus until we get to heaven. But what he wants to do is actually to reveal more of himself to you this year. He wants to give you a new revelation. And a new revelation of who Jesus is is far more powerful than a New Year's resolution. You see, a new revelation of Christ actually leads to a new life of serving Christ. I want to read this morning from 2 Corinthians. So uh, if you've got your Bibles there, it's chapter 5, it'll come up on the screen. It says, He, and that's Jesus, died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Listen to these next few words. How differently we know him now. You see, Paul, who's writing this, says we once viewed Jesus from a human point of view. We thought he was a good teacher. We thought he was a prophet. You know, we thought he was a miracle worker. Maybe we just thought he was a good bloke who had a big influence on the world. Or or, or maybe... We actually saw him from a human point of view of being a troublemaker, an insurgent, a crucified criminal. But at one point in time, we simply saw Jesus from a human point of view. But now we've got a new revelation of who Jesus is and it's changed everything. We now know that Jesus Christ, you know, was actually the son of the living God who died on a cross to forgive our sins and rose from the dead on the third day. And he's coming again one day to make everything new. And this new revelation of who Jesus is has actually changed the way we lived. Once upon a time, when we simply saw Jesus from a human point of view, we lived for ourselves. We lived selfishly. We made life all about us. But now, now we see something of who Jesus is. We no longer live for ourselves. We live for Christ. What I want us to understand here this morning is that a new revelation of Jesus will lead to a new life of serving Jesus. When you actually see who Jesus is, you'll serve him differently. You see, change is hard, but a new revelation of Jesus will actually change the way that you live. It has incredible power. You know, when I was 13 years old, I had a revelation from heaven. I was sitting right in the back row uh, of a church, a little bit uh, like this, and, and on walked to stage an angel from heaven. 
She was, she was in a blue girls' brigade uniform. She had big, buffy, 80s-style hair with about half a can of hairspray in a little halo around her head. And she was like nothing I'd ever seen before in my life. I remember sitting in the back row as a 13-year-old boy thinking, I've just seen an angel from heaven. I am going to marry that girl one day. And, and I did. And she's preaching at our Logan campus today, so I can say whatever I like. And... <laughs> But you see, that, that new revelation, this new vision from heaven that I had changed the way that I lived. My mum had been banging on to me for ages about making some changes and I completely ignored her. I didn't obey a jolly word that she said. But when I saw this new revelation from heaven, it changed everything. I started showering more than once a week as a 13-year-old boy. I started to put on clean clothes. I started caring about the way that I looked. I'd walk into my sister's room and go, I'm completely colorblind. I say, do I look all right in this outfit? And they're going, who is this new person we have in our family? You know, I went to the hairdresser and I got a haircut. I actually started putting product in my hair. My mum couldn't get me to brush my hair, brush my teeth, do anything that involved personal hygiene as a 13-year-old boy. But once I got a revelation from heaven, it changed the way that I lived. Now, I want to assure you here this morning that more powerful than a hot 13-year-old girl to an ugly teenage boy is a revelation of the Son of the living God. It can change anyone's life. I'm just praying this morning, I'm praying that this year you might get a new revelation of who Jesus is because I reckon there's a whole bunch of us here this morning who need one. You see, Peter... Peter's become a man that's known all over the world. He's called Saint Peter. But, but he needed a new revelation of who Jesus was. He's one of the first people actually to get a revelation of who Jesus was. It's recorded in Matthew uh, chapter 16. And it says uh, that uh, Jesus, who uh, his disciples had been watching, you know, Jesus perform miracles and teach in a way that nobody else had taught before. And Jesus comes up to them in the region of Caesarea Philippi. In Matthew chapter 16, it says, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. A human point of view. He's a good teacher. He's a, he's a prophet. You know, he's a miracle worker. But others are seeing him from a human point of view. But Jesus says to the disciples, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not, listen to this, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You see, Peter had a revelation of the true identity of Jesus and it changed the way that he lived. Jesus said to him, because of this revelation, because this has been revealed to you from heaven, your name is now Peter, which means rock, and on this rock I'll build my church. You're going to start the church, Peter. The problem was, Peter, like many of us, stuffed up something supreme, completely messed everything up in the weeks to come. 
made one of the biggest mistakes of his life. As Jesus is being led away to be crucified, when he he needed his mates more than any other time in the three years that they'd been together, Peter deserted him and so did the rest of the disciples. And not only that, but Peter, when a young servant girl came to him and said, you're with that Jesus guy. He says, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know the bloke. Three times. Three times he denied even. This, this guy who, who Jesus says, your name is Peter and I'm going to build my church upon you and the gates of Hades will not be able to overcome it. He is so scared of a servant girl. He says, I don't even know who Jesus is. And when he sees all of the events you know, un- unfold and-, and Jesus died on a cross and he's gone, Peter and the rest of the disciples go back to what they were doing before. The-, the plan is over. They've stuffed up. They've messed everything up. And so they simply go back to fishing, which is exactly what they were doing when Jesus turned up and called them to follow him the first time. And, and they're out on the boat. And they're fishing and just like the first time they'd fished all night and they'd caught nothing. And just like the first time that Jesus called them, Jesus said, throw your net over the other side and they caught the mother load of fish. Their nets began to break. They got into shore and Jesus, who has been deserted by his best mates, I love this picture. He sits on the beach and he cooks breakfast for his mates that have all walked out on him. That's what God is like. He is a God of second chances. You know, Jesus is recreating this first miracle for his mates because he's reinstating them after they've stuffed up. He wants them to know that nothing has changed. And he goes particularly to Peter, who's denied him three times, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Jesus, I love you. Jesus says, I'll feed my sheep. Get get on with what I told you to do. He says again, Peter, do you love me? And and Peter's confused. He says, yes, I love you. Jesus said, go on, get on with it, feed my sheep. And he says a third time, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter says, yes, Jesus, I love you. He says, okay, well, get on with it. Feed my sheep. And Peter who's walked into this situation with his head down and he's despondent, he's disappointed, he's embarrassed, he's ashamed. Jesus just lifts his head up and says to him, Peter, if you love me, get on with what I've called you to do because I still love you. Nothing has changed. And I just reckon there's some of us Here this morning, we're kind of looking at some of the mistakes that we made in the past year, maybe the past decade. You're looking at some of the things that you stuffed up and you made a mess of things. And you're kind of thinking there's no way back or it's changed the way that Jesus thinks about you or it's changed, you know, what Jesus has called you to do. Something has changed because of the mistakes that you've made and Jesus thinks lesser of you now. I love this reason he's made sure there's stories like this in the Bible because we can all relate to people like Peter who mess up all the time. And I just believe Jesus is coming alongside of some of you this morning and he's grabbing you by the shoulders and he's just lifting you up, lifting up your chin 
And he's, and he's just saying, hey, if you still love me, get on with what I've called you to do because I still love you. Nothing has changed. He's a God of second chances. I reckon some of you, some of you here this morning need to hear that. He is a God of second chances. He's a God of third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. He's never going to give up on you. If you just come to him and say, Jesus, I love you, he'll say, I love you too, get on with it. You see, a new revelation of Jesus will actually change the way that you live, give you a new life of serving him. Paul, completely different character. Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians and half of the New Testament, he, he, he had a completely different revelation of Jesus. Paul was living an egocentric life. He thought he had it all together. If Peter's walking around with his head down, feeling embarrassed and ashamed, Paul's walking around with a swagger. I, I've worked out this week, I've got no idea how to swagger. But his, uh, he, his, Paul had a swagger. Mate, his, his chest was pumped out, his shoulders were back, his head was up. You know, he saw himself, you know, as if there was anyone that could be right with God by being, you know, a good bloke, by, by following the rules, by being an upstanding standing citizen, it was him. He, he says, I, I was a Jew. I was one of God's chosen people. I was righteous in everything that I did. I had it all together. You know, if there was anyone who followed the law, it was me. I, I, I was the most righteous of all. And he, he's on his way to Damascus to actually, you know, persecute Christians to actually stop this, this little group called the way, this little group of followers of Jesus from, from taking the message of Jesus any further. Because Paul at this point saw Jesus from a human point of view. He was a troublemaker, he was an insurgent, he was a crucified criminal. And he wanted to wipe out the church once and for all. But on the way to Damascus, this man who thought he had it all together is just hit from heaven by a blinding light. And Jesus doesn't turn up and lift up his chin. Jesus turns up in power and Paul finds himself on his backside looking up at the most powerful person he's ever seen in his life. And he looks up and sees this blinding light from heaven. And he doesn't know who it is, but he knows he's powerful. He says, Lord, who are you? And, and Jesus says, I'm Jesus who you've been persecuting. He's the risen one. He has all power. And you see, this wasn't just a second chance for Paul as he's sitting on his backside looking up at Jesus, seeing Jesus not from a human point of view anymore, but from, from a, a heavenly point of view. This was a completely new chapter in Paul's life. Paul's life changed forever from that moment. From that moment on, he knew that Jesus was the son of the living God. He was the most powerful person in the universe. That, that nobody could stand against him. And that nobody, nobody's goodness, nobody's righteousness could actually be enough to make themselves right with God. 
I tell you, I, I had a revelation. I can't see half of you, so I'm going to sit up a bit. But I had a revelation, you know, that where I wasn't on the road to persecute Christians. But about nine or ten years ago, I was living an egocentric life. I kind of thought, you know, that what God could do in the church, what God could do in my life was all about me. And I found myself in a similar situation where I was knocked to the floor even though I didn't want to be. And I started to to realise in a whole new way that this life, the ministry that God's called me to, it's got very little to do with me. It's all about him. And it's changed my life. I'd been sick for 12 months up until that point. But from that time on, it's a whole new chapter of life for me. A, a, a life where I was healed completely. Where sickness that was coming from stress in my situation left completely. And I, I just came to know a new peace from God that I'd never known before in my life. And, and I've had to choose to walk in that peace for the last 10 years. I just wonder if there's some of us here this morning where it's not just a second chance that you need, but it's a whole new chapter. Maybe the last chapter of your life has been all about you and and you've kind of measured what, what God can do or how God thinks of you by what you do or by what you achieve or by your own strength. And you need a revelation like, like Paul had and, and like I've had where you just realise actually it's not all about me, it's all about Jesus. And he can do in your life what nobody else can do. I, I wonder if some of us, it's a new chapter that, uh, that God's actually leading us into. Just, just one more revelation of a person in scripture and, and it's another apostle, a guy named John. And John, John had seen uh, Jesus perform miracles. He knew he was the son of God. He'd, he'd already he'd written a book that uh, wanted to prove to others that Jesus really was God. But Jesus knew that there was a time coming for the church that was going to be harder than what they'd ever faced before. There was an Emperor Nero and an Emperor Domitian who were going to take over the Roman Empire and they were violent men who saw themselves as God and wanted to be worshipped as God. And and, and Jesus knew that this was going to be a troubling time for the church. When they're waiting and, and, and they're not, they, they can't see you know, uh, any, any respite happening around them, people are actually dying for their faith. And, and Jesus knew that people's faith would get shaky. It would feel like the world was spinning out of control and evil was winning. And, and so Jesus gives John a completely different revelation of who he is. And it's actually the last book written in the Bible called Revelation. And it's a picture of while there's all sorts of disasters and there's all sorts of wars happening on the earth, that Jesus is still on his throne. 
And the the suffering servant, the crucified criminal on the cross is no longer, you know, riding, you know, into Jerusalem on a donkey with a crown of thorns on his head. You know, he's now on a white horse with a a sword in his hands and and crowns, excuse me, on his head and on his robe is written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it's a a picture of while there is disasters happening in the world and while there are wars breaking out in the world, Jesus is still seated on his throne. He has more power than anybody else in the universe and there will be a day at the perfect time in history when Jesus comes again and he makes all things new. It's one of the last things that's written in the Bible. Jesus says, behold, I am making all things new. It was a completely new revelation of what was happening in the heavenly realms while disasters were going on in people's lives. And I wonder this morning, you see, I I wonder this morning if some of us just feel like the world around us is spinning out of control and evil is winning. And you need a revelation this year of Jesus upon his throne. It's not just a global perspective. The the news, the internet gives us a global perspective. But what the book of Revelation does is actually give us an eternal perspective. That nothing surprises Jesus. And nothing is outside of his power and control. And I just wonder this morning if some of us need that kind of revelation of who Jesus is. It changes the way that you live. It changes your priorities. It changes the way that you serve. And can I encourage you this morning, if you want a powerful revelation of who Jesus is, it's not going to happen without reading his word. It is the revelation of who Jesus is. That's why just in this last week, we've started a new Bible reading plan at Gateway, just encouraging our whole church family in every campus to read through the Bible this year. And we've just put it into chunks in each term. Uh, So some some of the readings will line up with our sermon series throughout the year. Can I just encourage you, this is where there is power for change. When you are daily living in God's word, reading his word and getting a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. And if you go onto our website or you can pick up a paper copy out on the uh, welcome desk today, there's a way of reading the Bible in there that has been the most transforming, most spiritually transforming discipline in my life for the last 15 years. It's just called the SOAP method of Bible reading. And it's just, S just stands for scripture, and just reading through that bit of scripture and then just writing just one verse that God specifically speaks to you about. Always for observation. What is it that's actually happening in that verse? What is God doing in that moment? A is for application. And it's just, how do I actually apply this to my life? What's Jesus speaking to me about in this situation? And P is for prayer and just writing out a prayer. I tell you, can I particularly just speak to blokes for a minute? Us blokes aren't that good at journaling. We're not good, you know, at at writing and reflecting on what God's saying to us. Can I just encourage you? If you will take the time to do this, it will transform your life. 
It will change you. You can do it in 20 minutes a day. There's lots of other things we give 20 minutes to. We can all find 20 minutes. I'm telling you, change is hard, but when you get a new revelation of who Jesus is, change is possible. You see, Peter did become that rock. You know, he, he actually preached the gospel for, for the first time. 3,000 people got saved. The church was birthed and the gates of hell throughout the last 2,000 years has not been able to overcome it. Jesus was true to his promise. Paul, who was on the road to actually destroy Christians, he actually gets sent as a light for the gospel into the darkest places of the world who've never heard about Jesus. And people all over the world come to know Jesus and are still coming to know Jesus today. The book of Revelation that John writes has given strength for people to endure challenging times for the last 2,000 years. But you won't get that revelation if you don't read his word. You're only five days behind. If you haven't started the Bible reading plan yet this year, you're not far behind. Can I just skip the first five chapters? Start tomorrow, wherever we're up to in Matthew, and just start reading it. I tell you, it can change your life. We don't need a new resolution. We need a new revelation of who Jesus is. It'll change the way that you live. And a new relationship with Christ will actually make you a new creation in Christ. Just going to read the next verse. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Let me read it as well in the NIV. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Fantastic promise. Come on, most of us know that verse. We've read it, maybe we've memorised it, you might have cross-stitched it, put it on your wall. It's kind of one of those verses that we all know. It's an incredibly just encouraging verse. The old life of sin is gone, new life is begun. But I actually find that verse can be depressing for people too. Sometimes we read that verse and we look at stuff in our lives and go, well, actually, the old's still here. I'm still struggling with the same old stuff. It hasn't completely gone. And we start to think, well, maybe Jesus isn't that powerful. Or maybe, you know, Jesus doesn't work for me like he works for others. Or maybe Jesus just doesn't like me. I I just want to give us three words that are in that scripture this morning that I think are both an encouragement and a challenge. Say them with me. Begun, belong, become. Okay, I just want to look at some photos here this morning. All right? Remember those words, begun, belong, become. Have a look at this first photo on the screen. Who can tell me what that is? Someone yell it out. We can hear a penguin down the front. An eagle. Anyone else? Come on, yell it out. A seagull, a bird, a duck. It's a little hard to tell, isn't it? Okay, but one thing's for sure, 
a new life has? Okay, there is a family to which it Okay, those things are true. The family to which it belongs is the Asapetridae family. A new life has begun. There's a family to which it belongs, but one day it will become a mighty eagle and it will soar longer and it will fly higher than all other birds. You see, a new life has begun. It belongs to a family that will feed it and nurture it until it becomes all that God intended it to be. Even though it's a little bit hard to tell in the beginning. Have a look at this one. Have a guess. What do you think it is? Yell it out. A baby. That's nasty. That's not my baby photo. Anyone got a better guess? A sloth, a bear. Okay, can we all agree a new life has? There's a family to which it? Which is called the Ursidae family. But this ugly little thing one day will become a beautiful bear that is desired the world over. You know, this bear only lives in this tiny little dot on a couple of mountains in China. There's only about 2,000 left of them in, in, the, in the wild. But people all over the world know this bear because of its beauty. But it starts out a little bit ugly, looking like a sloth or like me, apparently. <laughs> Just one more. Who knows what this is? Have a guess. It is a tree, well done. Can we all agree a new life has? It belongs to a family called the Cupressaceae family. And this puny little weed will one day become a strong, majestic sequoia tree. 85 metres high, 3,000, can live to 3,000 years old. See that eagle? That panda, that sequoia, it doesn't sit there going, I gotta become all that God's intended me to be. I, I just gotta work harder to become all that God's intended me to be. New life has begun, a miracle from God. They belong to a family that, in all different ways, will feed it, nurture it, protect it until it becomes all that God's intended it to be. Just, just one more photo. Any ideas? That is my baby photo, thank you. Look a little bit like a panda apparently. New life has begun, belong to this family, Ellsmore family, crazy family somehow, they nurtured me and protected me. But I also belong to this family, a big gateway family that's been my family for the last 16 years. And in this family, I've been encouraged, I've been nurtured, I've been prayed for, I've been protected and I'd like to think that in the last 16 years I've become a little bit more like Jesus than I was 16 years ago. But I've needed to be in this environment. Can, can I encourage you? When you put your faith in Christ, a new life has... 
There is a family to which you now and if you'll put yourself in the right environment, you'll become all that God's intended you to be. Justin's already said it. Be here every Sunday. Find a life group to belong to and find one place to serve in 2020. Be in the right environment to become all that God's intended you to be. See, the new life that Jesus put in you, no one can take that away from you. Nothing can change that. The family that you belong to, the Christian family, the family of Christ, no one can take that away from you. Nothing can change that. But you will become all that God's intended you to be. The changes can happen when you put yourself in the right environment where others can protect you, nurture you, and encourage you in your faith. You see, a new relationship with Christ will in time make you a new creation in Christ. Some of those things that you're struggling with this year or last year that you want to see change and those changes are hard, it is possible. But you've got to put yourself in the right environment where people are going to encourage you and pray for you and cheer you on. Lastly, we've talked a lot about new this morning. But there's a really old message of reconciliation that's actually still giving others new life in Christ. You see, there's a new life that God wants to give us. But there's an old message he's given us that can bring others new life in Christ. It says, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's good news, isn't it? We're no longer are our sins counted against us. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the old message of good news. It's never changed. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. It's an old message and I still believe it's the only message that can change a human heart. It's only as we're reconciled to God that change is possible to become more like Christ. And we've been given this old message to give to others. We make God is making his appeal through us. I mean, this is a season of backyard cricket. Yesterday I was playing cricket on the beach at Christmas time. I was playing in the backyard. Anyone else played some cricket over this season or am I the only one? I'm the only one that's played, Carl, there's a couple of you. In, in, in backyard cricket, when, uh, when someone makes a mistake, when somebody uh, breaks the rules, what do we do? We... We hit them. <laughs> this is a tough crowd this morning. <laughs> the bowler appeals. And there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can appeal. But if you're anything like my family or if anything like the Australian cricket team, it's a very passionate appeal. No one simply says, well, what do you think, umpire? 
No, nobody does that. They, they make a passionate appeal because this is, this is life and death kind of stuff. And there's all different types of appeals. There is, a, let's have a look at this first one. There's the pants splitter. How's that? And you've got to be wearing your stretch chinos to make that kind of appeal, else you will split your pants. You know, there is the absolute desperate appeal where you get down on one knee. How's that? Please just give him out. And then there is, this is my personal favourite, I did this all down the beach yesterday, there's the star jump appeal. How's that one? It's a passionate appeal. Surely, if God is making his appeal through us to bring people back to Christ, we've got to make a passionate appeal. It's got to be more important than getting someone out LB. doesn't matter what sort of appeal you make. Just make an appeal. I watched a whole bunch of you over Christmas make an appeal to bring people back to God. Some of you invited scores of friends and family to our Christmas services. Some of you, you know, you love pointing people to Scripture. And, and helping people to just understand what Scripture means. You know, others of you, you know, love actually going into shopping centres and sharing the good news of Jesus with others. You know, some of you, you know, love debating at an intellectual level why God makes sense. And others of you couldn't think of anything worse. But you love putting your arm around someone who's doing life tough and praying that they'd know the presence of God in their tough season. See, there's all different kind of appeals we can make. I just want to encourage you in 2020, make an appeal. You see, the good news of the gospel is, if you put your faith in Jesus, the answer is always, you're not out. There's nothing that you've done that's actually going to, to put you outside of favour with God. Because Jesus is the one who became sin for you so that your sins no longer count against you and you become right with God. How are you making an appeal in 2020 so that others can find new life in Christ? What, what sort of appeal are you going to make? You don't have to do it like others. Do it your way. But make an appeal. Help others find new life in Christ like you found new life in Christ. I believe it's the only way. It's the only message. It's an old message, but it's the only thing that can make us new. It's the only thing that's got power to bring change in our lives. I'm just going to make an appeal right now. I'm just going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads. And if you're here this morning and you'd like your sins to no longer count against you. You'd like Jesus to forgive your sins. You're saying, Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross. 
And I I pray that you would forgive my sins. My sins would no longer count against me, but I would be made right with God. Just while everyone's eyes are closed and heads bowed, if you're here this morning and you say, today is my day. Maybe it's something you've never done before in your life, or maybe it's something you did a long time ago, but you've walked a long way away from God. And today you just want to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Just while everyone's eyes are closed and heads bowed, if that's you this morning, can I just ask you just to raise your hand and say, I'd like to pray that prayer. Bless you. That's cool. Who else today would just say, that's my prayer. I do not want my sins to count against me any longer. Anyone else today say, that's my prayer today. Please forgive me. Just give you one more chance. Bless you. That's cool. Just pray with me today, if that's you. Just pray in the quietness of your heart. Father God, thank you that you've always loved me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. And I ask that you would forgive my sins today. I want to start anew. And I want to follow you from this day forward. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can we just put our hands together for those guys this morning? Just encourage them. So take that that step of faith. Can I encourage you, if that was you, make sure you just let someone know this morning. Let someone, uh, maybe a youth leader or Justin down the front here, or come and see me. Just love to help you get started in, uh, in following Jesus this morning. Hey, I, I just love to pray for a bunch of people. We're about to sing a really old song. Uh, it's an old song. It just declares our faith in who Jesus is and what He's done for us. But I, I just reckon there's... There's some of you here today who just say, hey, uh, I, I need a, a bit of a new beginning in 2020. I, 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 there's some stuff going on in, in my life. Or there's some stuff that's happened in this past. There's some mistakes that I've made. Or it just feels like there's a whole, I'm going through a really challenging time. And uh, I, I would like a second chance or I would like a second chapter. I would just like strength to endure this challenge that I'm walking through. And I'd just love some people in my community to gather around me and pray for me this morning. Whatever it is for you, if that's you, just like some people to gather around you right now and pray. I'm going to pray. Then just get the people around you to pray. Can I just get you to stand where you are and just say, hey, I, I need some prayer today. I need some people to gather around me. I need new second chance. Second chapter, I just, I just want to walk into a new beginning. Is anyone else here this morning to say, I want some people to gather around me and to pray for me and give me strength to endure? One more chance. Anyone else here today? That's cool. Can we just gather around these guys? Come on, just a bunch of us just gather around. I'm going to pray. And then as Jimmy leads us in singing, we're going to continue to, to pray for them. Father God, thank you that you know each one of us. You know our every need. 
And God, this morning I do pray, I do pray for a new beginning, that new, there'd be new strength to endure. God, I pray that you would wipe the slate clean. God, that you would be, be making all things new in their lives. God, there'd be a new revelation of who you are. There'd be new power that would fill them to actually step into the future that you've designed for them. God, there'd be new joy that would come into their heart, a joy that would heal the pain from the past. God, this morning, would your, your grace and your love just wash over them. God, they'd know that you are present here with them right now and you'll be present into the future. Just pour out your healing power upon them. In Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.